0: We are continuing our new series of lessons from the book of James, How Do I? Last Sunday, we introduced the series by giving an overview of the entire book and discovered that James identifies 12 distinguishing marks of a mature believer. This morning, we're going to take a deeper look at the first of these marks, from James 1, verses 2 through 12, how do I profit from my problems? Follow along in your Bible as I read today's text. James chapter 1, we pick it up with verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does." The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Okay, well let me get something right out in the open from the very beginning of today's study. If you have ever had a problem of any kind at any time in your life, let me see your hand. Anybody here ever have a problem? <laughs> Duh. See, the point, yeah, raise both your hands. The point is, I just wanted to be sure that you understood up front that today's lesson is for you. I mean, all of us have problems. All of us struggle. All of us face tough times. All of us go through trials. All of us have terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days. Speaking of bad days, I ran across this true story as I was preparing for today's lesson. I thought it was so appropriate. Let me read it to you. Brian Heiss had more than his share of bad luck in July when his apartment in Provo, Utah, flooded from a broken pipe in the upstairs apartment. The manager told him to go out and rent a water vacuum. That's when he discovered that his car had a flat tire. He changed it and went inside to wash his hands and call a friend for help. The electric shock he got from the phone so jolted him that he accidentally ripped it right off the wall. Before he could leave the apartment a second time, a neighbor had to kick down the front door because the water damage had swollen it shut. While all of that was going on, Heiss, who had left his keys in the car, had his car stolen. This is a true story. But it was almost out of gas, and he found it abandoned just a few blocks away. He pushed it to the nearest gas station where he filled up the tank. That evening, as Heiss attended a military ceremony at his university, he inadvertently injured himself severely when he somehow sat on his bayonet that had been tossed in the front seat of his car. Doctors were able to stitch him up successfully. Upon arriving back at his apartment, Heist discovered that four of his canaries had been buried by falling plaster from the ceiling, and in the excitement of trying to resuscitate them, he slipped on his linoleum and threw his back out. Another neighbor called an ambulance, and as Heist was being wheeled out of his apartment on a gurney, he's reported to have mumbled, I wonder if God wants me dead, but he just keeps missing. <laughs> you ever feel like that sometimes? In your life? Bad days. I mean, we all have them. And here in verses 2-12 through of chapter 1, James gives us some very practical advice on dealing with our problems. When we are having a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, this is a passage that we can turn to for help. How do I profit from my problems? Notice, first of all, the reality of... My problems. Look again at James 1, verses 2 and 3. James begins by saying, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know. Don't miss those words, because you know. What exactly do we know? Well, there are four realities that we know. Four facts that we need to keep in mind. Four things that we must understand about our problems. Number one, problems are inevitable. Problems are inevitable. Verse 2 says, whenever you face trials. Notice it doesn't say if you face trials. I mean, there are no ifs. When you are born into this life, you signed on for problems. Problems 101 is a course that is required in life. It is not an elective. We're all going to have tough times in life. Number two, problems are unpredictable. Again, verse 2 says, Whenever you face trials... This word face is interesting, by the way. In its origin, it literally meant to fall into something unexpectedly. Folks, nobody plans to have problems. (laughs) I mean, it's not like we make an appointment. I think next Thursday at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm going to have a crisis. No! (laughs) It's not the way it works. Problems have a way of catching us off guard. We seldom see them coming. I read about a guy who got on the New York subway for the very first time. When he got on the train at the station, it was so packed that he barely squeezed in the door before it shut right in front of him. And he found himself facing out toward the door. And when the train started moving, he realized right away he had made a huge mistake because he had motion sickness now just picture this the, the world is flying by and he's fighting it getting more and more sick by the moment and just when he can't hold it any longer the train pulls into another subway station and when the door opens he loses his lunch all over the guy standing on the platform waiting to board and right then all the time freezes the door shuts again And the train goes on its way. And the guy on the platform, he turns around and he says to everybody around him, Why me? What did I do to deserve this? (laughs) And isn't that just the way problems are? With our lives, they're so unpredictable. Number three, problems are variable. Verse 2 goes on to say, Trials of many... That's an interesting phrase too because literally the word there is multicolored. Trials are multicolored. I mean, tough times come in all shapes and sizes and shades and colors, don't they? I mean, one thing for sure, we will never get bored when it comes to our problem. <laughs> About the time you think, oh, I've seen it all, guess what? <laughs> you haven't seen it all. <laughs> so problems are inevitable, unpredictable, and variable. But the one thing that James wants us to know more than anything else is that problems are profitable. Verse 3 says, You know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Simply put, the trials and the tests we go through in life have a purpose. They they develop, they produce something in us, they have a value, they have a benefit for our lives. Now, how? How? How are my problems profitable to me? James suggests three ways. First of all, problems purify my faith. Problems purify my faith. Again, verse 3 says, You know that the testing of your faith... This word testing, by the way, is the same word that's used for testing or purifying gold and silver. (laughs) It's the word for the refining process of going through the fire to get out all the impurities so that the end result is 100% pure. And James tells us that going through our problems is just like that. That God allows us to go through the fire. He allows us to go through the refining process of our problems to remove all of the impurities in order that we might become all that He wants us to be. Somebody said that Christians are like tea bags. You don't really know what they're made of until you put them in hot water. <laughs> and sometimes God just allows us to stew in that hot water for a while. Why? Because he wants to purify our faith. Second, problems fortify my patience. Verse three continues: The testing of your faith develops perseverance. This word perseverance comes from a word that means to be under pressure and to stay under pressure. It can also be translated patience, endurance, steadfastness, fortitude. It means to never give up, to to hang in there, to never quit. It's patience in the active sense. In fact, the Living Bible paraphrases verse 3, when the way is rough, your patience has a chance to grow. And so, how does God teach us patience anyway? (laughs) Through our trials, mostly. Have you ever prayed that prayer, God, give me patience. Ooh, watch out. (laughs) Because God uses the tough times to fortify our patience. And third, problems sanctify my character. They sanctify my character. Verse 4 tells us that the end result of our trials and tests is that you may be mature and complete. See, there's those words we talked about last week. huh? Mature and complete, not lacking anything. Living Translation puts it this way, strong in character and ready for anything. In other words, God wants us to grow up. He, He wants us to mature in our character. So how does he accomplish this? Well, in several ways. But one of the primary ways is through the problems that we face in life. Life is one lifelong character development course. And God's number one priority for our lives is to help us to become like Jesus, to develop Christ-likeness in us, to fashion and mold us into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. And God works through our problems to help accomplish this priority. We must remember that God is more interested in our character than our comfort. I need to say that again. God is more interested in our character than our comfort. Sometimes we get that reversed. <laughs> when we're going through tough times, we cry out, God, this hurts. I am so uncomfortable here. And God says, Well, duh. <laughs> it's not meant to be comfortable. I'm letting you go through the fire. I'm allowing you to be uncomfortable because that is exactly where I want you to be. I am working out my purpose in your life. I'm helping you to become more and more like my Son, Jesus. the reality of my problems. They're inevitable, they're unpredictable, and they're variable. But most of all, James wants us to understand that they are profitable. In what ways? They purify my faith, they fortify my patience, they sanctify my character. Now with those important realities in mind, then let's take a closer look at the response to my problems. So how do I respond to the trials and tests that come my way in a profitable manner? How am I to handle the no good, very bad days so that I can gain the greatest value or benefit to my life? Well, James tells us that my response should include at least these three things. Number one, I should rejoice. Look at James 1, verse 2 again. Consider it Pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Don't miss those words. Pure joy. The Living Bible puts it this way. Whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. The good news says, consider yourself fortunate when all kinds of trials come your way. J.B. Phillips translates verse 2, when all kinds of trials crowd into your lives. Don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Now wait a minute, time out here. Is James nuts or what? I mean, is this guy one french fry short of a happy meal? I mean, he says that we're to consider it pure joy when we face hardship in our lives. I mean, what could he possibly be talking about here? Well, before we think that James has lost all of his marbles, I think it's important for us to understand in the context of what he is is saying and what he is not saying here. First of all, James is not saying that we should rejoice for our problems. In other words, he's not telling us that we should react ridiculously. Oh, God, I am so excited that I have all these problems and tiles in my life. I'm so happy I'm going through all these tests. Wow, it's just so wonderful to be in the middle of a crisis. I'm so glad I got run over by that back truck. Oh, what a blessing. Hello? That's not what James is saying here. The Bible's not teaching us that we should rejoice... For our problems. The second, James is not saying that we should rejoice around our problems. In other words, fake it, <laughs> pretend that our difficulties don't exist. Sweep them under the carpet, hide them in the closet. We're so good at this as Christians, <laughs> especially on Sundays. How you doing? Fine. Not. Nah. <laughs> James is certainly not telling us that we should put on that fake plastic churchy smile and pretend that everything's just great when it's not. I mean, the Bible is not teaching us that we should rejoice around our problems like they don't exist. So James is not saying we should rejoice for or around our problems. What then is he instructing us to do here? James is saying that we should rejoice in our problems. You see, the bottom line is this. You may not have a choice of what problems come your way or when they come your way in life. And the truth is, sometimes we bring these problems on ourselves. We are the problem. Would you agree? (laughs) But many times we cannot control what happens to us in life. We're like the guy on the train platform. Life just kind of vomits all over us. And we didn't ask for it. We didn't do anything to deserve it. And we cannot make the choice. Of what problems come or when they come or how many of them will come. But we can choose how we respond in the midst of those problems. We have 100% control of choosing our attitude. We have 100% control of choosing our response. And James is simply saying that when problems come, we can re- choose to rejoice in them. I like to say it like this. Problems will either make us better or bitter. Better or bitter. What's the difference, by the way, between better and bitter? I. <laughs> I and the difference. (laughs) I make the choice. It's my choice to rejoice. I may not be happy for my problems or around my problems, but because I know that my problems are profitable to me, they purify my faith and fortify my patience and sanctify my character. I can choose to rejoice in my problems. I can choose to profit from my problems, to gain as much value and benefit as possible even when I am in the midst of them. It is my choice what my attitude will be. Read Romans 5 and verse 3 out loud together with me. Would you do that? Let's read this together. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they are good for us. They really are. They are good for us. That's why we choose to rejoice in them. God will take even the bad and make something good out of it for our benefit and for His glory if we let Him. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18 tells us, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Notice, by the way, it does not say give thanks for all circumstances. Did you catch that? This is give thanks in all circumstances. We can choose to give thanks. We can choose to rejoice even in the midst of the tough times. That is our choice. What will our attitude be? Will we become better or will we become bitter? That is our choice. So how should I respond to my problems? First, I should rejoice. Second, I should request... I should request, verse 5. Look at it again. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Now, sometimes I think we pull this verse out of context. Can I be honest? And we use this as a verse uh, that generally applies to just asking God for wisdom. But you know, in the context here, it's really about asking God for wisdom in our problems you with me? So let's keep it in context this morning. In fact, I think J.B. Phillips captured the essence of this verse in context when he translated it this way. And if in the process any of you does not know how to meet any particular problem, he has only to ask God who gives generously to all men without making them feel foolish or guilty and he may be quite certain that the necessary wisdom will be given him. Wisdom for our problems. See, it's quite clear. In the midst of our problems, we should respond with prayer. We should never hesitate to ask God to give us wisdom to work through whatever the problem may be. Someone once said that a problem not worth praying about is a problem not worth worrying about. And yet so often prayer is our last resort. Why are we that way? When problems come our way, the first thing we want to do is throw a pity party. We moan and we groan and we gripe and we complain and we get snippety with other people and we go to counseling and we read a self-help book and we get some self-improvement seminar and we do all these things trying to navigate through our problems and the last thing we ever think about doing is praying. James says that ought to be the first thing we think about. When things get tough, when life throws up on us out of nowhere, we need to drop to our knees in prayer. We need to seek His advice first and foremost. After all, God has the best perspective of all. He's the one who sees all things past, present, and future, and He's just waiting for us to ask for His wisdom to see us through. Now, verses 6-8 through tell us that when we ask God for wisdom, we need to believe that He's actually going to give it to us. (laughs) Don't doubt Him. He promises that He'll help us. That means when we ask Him for wisdom, He'll give us wisdom. And we shouldn't ignore it and just go on our own way. Or we shouldn't lay our problems down at His feet and then pick them right back up again. (laughs) If we're going to let Him have our problems, let Him have our problems. Let it go. I love First Peter 5, verse 7. In fact, let's read it out loud together. Would you read it with me? Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on Him. For He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. I love the way the Amplified puts that. That's that song we sang a little while ago. I cast all my cares upon Him. I lay all of my burdens down at His feet. And any time I don't know what to do, I will cast all my cares upon you. So second, I should request. Number three, I should refocus. I mean whatever else we may learn from James comparison of the rich and the poor in verses 9 through 11 this one application is very very clear and that is that this life is temporal. In verse 10 the wording is he will pass away like a wild flower. Verse 11 will fade away even while he goes about his business. Later in James 4 and verse 14, we're reminded what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Poof! (laughs) Can I just say that sometimes we live our lives like this is it? We go through our lives like this world that we're living in is our home? (laughs) This is not our home. Folks, we're just passing through this life. This is not our final destination. But sometimes we sure think and act as if we're, all that we're going through is all that there is to it. And it taints our response to our problems, doesn't it? Because we have such a temporal perspective. I've shared this illustration before, but it's so good it has to be shared again, about the pastor who went to go visit the Lady in his church who was going through all kinds of problems. He tried to pray with her. He tried to read scripture with her and encourage her. He tried everything. And nothing seemed to get through. I mean, she just wanted to hang on to her anger and her resentment and her bitterness. And all the while they were talking, she was working on some embroidery you know how some ladies some of you ladies do that you know while you're while you're talking you think with you think better with your head somehow when your hands are doing something i don't know what it is but but uh, so the the pastor said can I, can i take a look at that for a minute and so she was really happy of course to pass it to him she gave it to him and he turned it upside down he said this is so ugly what a mess of threads. I mean, what in the world are you possibly doing here? And she got real indignant. And she grabbed it back from him and She turned it over the right way. And she said, you're looking at it from the wrong side. And he said, exactly. That's what you're doing with your life. You're looking at it from the wrong side. And when we look at things, oftentimes from underneath, from the temporal side of life, this earth that we live on. Life does look like a tangled mess and we wonder what in the world is going on. And if we would just change our perspective and look at it from God's side, we would see that He is weaving a beautiful picture out of our lives. And we can trust Him. So how should I respond to my problems? Third, I should refocus. How do I profit from my problems? This morning we've taken a closer look at this first distinguishing mark of a mature. Christ follower. He or she is learning how to profit from his or her problems in life. Problems are inevitable. They are unpredictable. They are variable. But most of all, they are profitable. They purify our faith. They fortify our patience. They sanctify our character. And so James gives us some practical advice on how we should respond to the problems that come our way in life. We should rejoice. We should request. We should refocus. Now, friends, when all of this is over, When life is over and all is said and done, no matter how big or small, no matter how short or long, no matter how few or how many our problems may have been, you know what? It's not going to matter. It's going to be worth it all. In fact, that's James' conclusion right here in James 1 and verse 12. So let's wrap up today's lesson by reading it out loud together. Would you read it with me? Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. Isn't that a great promise?